0: Hey everyone, it's Chris. It's Allison.
1: And it's Matt. And before we get going on this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, guys, I don't know if you know this. um, We record these things pretty far in advance sometimes, so sometimes real world stuff can outstrip what we talk about in the podcast and you might notice when you listen to this podcast that's coming up we make no mention of the fact that the quantum leap pilot you know that we've been talking about quite a bit was just picked up to go to series <gasps> so,
0: <gasps> it's not a pilot anymore <laughs> How exciting. congrats to everyone involved
1: yeah right such good news well done guys mr raymond lee deborah everybody involved we can't wait to see what happens so we thought we'd get out ahead of it we're probably going to do another reboot special when a little bit more comes to light than saying hey it went to series woohoo um but (laughs) um in the meantime we want to let you know that we're aware of it and this um wow it presages a lot for the future because now it's a guarantee that we are going to be going weekly For at least 13 to 26 weeks. They're saying that this is going to be picked up on NBC, not just Peacock. Yeah. uh, Because they have so few pilots this season. So it looks like it's going to the mothership, as they say. And I don't know if that necessarily means 26 episodes, but it could. And us going weekly, it's got me, guys, I'm a little scared. And I'll tell you, what. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a lot, a lot of work. And um, we are looking forward to it. I mean, I, I look at it this way. How could it be any better? We are once again poised on the brink of relevancy. But <laughs> that means that we're going to have to put the product out there. We got to put it out. So um, <laughs> if you are not supporting us on Patreon... I hate to turn this into a plug, but I have to go on over there. Uh, I have put a stretch goal up on our Patreon page, at uh, patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. And, um, it's so that we can get enough patron support to hire an editor. Uh, I think it will be extremely important for us to maintain the quality of the show and to, um, keep to that advanced release schedule that is looming in our future. What what problems to have? Oh my God, what a great problem to have. But at the same time, it would give me and Allison and Matt and Albie and everybody else on the crew a lot of peace of mind to know that we can afford to get some help in, to pinch hit so that we can give you the best possible show on time every week, talking about it in real time as the new Quantum Leap airs. I can't believe I'm saying the new Quantum Leap is going to be airing. (laughs) mad this is amazing yeah so if you are currently a patron i thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you're doing to help support us if you are not a patron but are interested you can um, look at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast we have all of our patron levels there listen any support that you want to give us is appreciated. Um, but for the $5 level, you will also unlock about 20 hours and counting of bonus content that is only available to Leaper patrons, $5 or above. So take a look at that. And I'm just going to be frank. Um, in order to hire an editor, Alby's a professional editor, and he told me what it would cost. We would basically have to I triple or quadruple the amount of support that we have right now. So um, it's a tall order to fill. But um, I know... Know that we have the fan base uh, to maybe make it happen. And um, we just thank you for all of your support, all of your listening. We'll be bringing you the podcast regardless. We'll be doing our best, but... Any help that you can give will go a long way to making sure that we put our best foot forward and who knows, we could get Raymond on the show, we can get Deborah back on the show, maybe we can get the showrunners back and Ernie Hudson.
2: Ernie Hudson yes. on the Quantum oh Leap Podcast. If we maybe could to Ernie Hudson, that would be insane. <laughs> we have to get Ernie on to thank Chris for arranging him for him to be cast. <laughs> Do you guys know how jealous my husband would be <laughs>
0: if I talked to Ernie
2: Hudson? The your, Ghostbusters your super likes fan. Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. See, yeah.
1: So if you out there want to make Phelan really, really jealous, now you know <laughs> what you can do. You can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Thank you very much for considering it. And on with the show.
3: Warning. The following podcast contains frank discussion of child abuse and adult themes that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised.
1: This is Scott Bakula, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast.
3: Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better.
1: You are listening to The Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 106, The Wall, by Ashley McConnell. Welcome to The Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And I feel like I sound extra announcery today. I don't know why I'm doing this. Anyway.
2: We can't tell the difference, Chris. This is how you always sound. <laughs> it's been like three years, man. <laughs> You do like
0: old-timey radio style, you know? Like, "Hey everybody, welcome to the Quantum Leap podcast." <laughs> yeah, use all that uh, journalism experience you got.
1: <laughs> I just need um like someone playing the trombone with the with the wow. <laughs> I'm sure
2: there's a more suitable uh, episode or novel we could have used this comedy element for than uh, something about child beating in the <laughs>
1: Oh, this might be the only laughing we're doing on this show, so let's get it out of the way. Let's get it out of our systems, because okay. <laughs> we
2: are about to embark
1: on another meeting of the QLP Book Club. Uh, today, we will be discussing book three in the novel series, The Wall, by Ashley McConnell. And as Matt has already alluded to, kind of a heavy read. So why don't we just start with initial impressions? Allison, I know you've been itching to tell me what you think <laughs> of The Wall.
0: Do do we read the summary first? I don't remember if we read (laughs) the back of the book before. Oh, you're right. We're supposed to read the summary before you leave, so people
1: know what we're talking about. Oh yeah, okay. So um, maybe I'll edit that, or you know, I won't. It's right there. It says it it in big (laughs) bold letters: read synopsis blurb and then initial impressions. And I just wasn't even looking at my rundown.
2: Your own rundown, Chris. (laughs) This is what happens when you get cocky after all these years. (laughs) I don't need this. I got this down.
1: That's me. Cocky Chris. I want a little caca. <coughs> All right. So here is the synopsis for the wall. When you're up against the wall, leap before you look. Germany, 1961 A rigid world of dangerous politics and strife The Berlin Wall is under construction And Dr. Sam Beckett has leaped into the life of a six-year-old girl Dot, dot, dot As Missy, he feels small and helpless What can a child do to alter the fate of Germany and the world? Sam is about to find out when he leaps again Into the adult Missy On the day the wall comes tumbling down Quantum Leap, the wall An all-new adventure, first time in print by Ashley Mc connell based on the universal television series quantum leap created by donald p belisario
2: also published by box tree if you're in the uk quantum leap too close for comfort quantum leap carny knowledge and the <laughs> making of quantum leap <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true i've got both editions in front of me
0: that's another summary that's kind of a lie isn't it <laughs>
2: oh my god <laughs> Let's, let's pitch something that this really isn't. <laughs> What's wrong with that summary?
0: I I think it. Mm. I, I feel like it's emphasizing the Berlin Wall a little more than the, the importance of it really is. Uh, yes. I mean, I I know the whole play on on meaning here with the wall, but mm, not
1: really what the book's about. <laughs> no, no, not at not, all. Not at all. Yeah. So as 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 we've discussed already, this book really deals with child abuse and it's really a serious novel there's not a lot of fun in in the wall and uh you know it uh, it, it, hmm. i have very definite opinions let's put it that way so um allison why don't we get started with your initial impressions
0: so (laughs) i kind of want to tread carefully uh when i'm talking about the novels because um it's hard not to make it feel uh Personal because, unlike the TV show, a lot of it is one person's creation. But look, this this novel made me mad. It really <laughs> made me mad. I hated this book. <laughs> Wow. And it's weird because I didn't remember hating it when I first read it. I read through a bunch of them. Uh, I remembered it being heavy. I knew it was mm. going to be a, a darker subject matter, which, again, I, I don't have a problem with. We talked about that before. But man, I really – I did not expect to hate this book that much, but I really did. Wow.
1: Oof, I can't wait to get into you know unpacking that a little bit. How about how about you, Matt?
2: Yeah, I I remember. I think we've spoken about this a bit before. Um, that I I this is the one novel that I read back in the nineties and di- didn't read any more until I was researching for the the guide a few <laughs> years back. Um, precisely because it it was a little on the heavier side, and I thought, okay, so that's what this range is. This this range is uh, just all heavy stuff. I definitely do not hate this book, though, so I'm I'm interested to get into that discussion. But it's definitely, it's not a light or fun read. Yeah, um,
1: it's, it's funny, Alison, I have kind of the opposite reaction, and, um... Matt, my initial impression when I first read this book, I admit that I did seriously dislike it. I don't know if I'd go so far as to saying that I hated it, but I didn't think that it was the best example of what we should be doing in a Quantum Leap novel. Um, that was me then. But yeah. damn, I really I, – I don't want to say enjoyed because it wasn't like – but I was really sucked in by this novel this time. I thought it was a good book. And – I understand it's thorny and it's very depressing in many, many scenes. It's just, it's, it's not a light read, but it feels like, uh, this is Ashley's third book. It feels like a book that Ashley wanted to write. She wasn't Mm -hmm. just writing a quote, quantum leap book. And I felt like Carney Knowledge and um, Too Close for Comfort sort of just felt like exercises in the premise. This one felt like it was close to Ashley. like She was was expressing something, I don't know about personal, but something that she really cared about. And uh, I think it came across in the writing. It's intangible. Um, There are things that I still have problems with, but I did not expect to be sucked into the book
2: like I was. And I really thought that it was terrific. This is always this paradox with time fiction though, isn't it? That you're playing in someone else's sandbox. Do you go for something that is like the TV show in tone and style and content, or do you find a story that you've always wanted to get published and never been able to, and just shove the characters in to make it work? And I, <laughs> is that what you thought of this? <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. And Chris, it's exactly what you just said. You just said it more politely, <laughs> but that was I. I felt this was. Uh, I yeah. I don't. I don't know Ashley or, or where this may have come from, but I felt this was a novel that had been sitting in her mind for years and suddenly here's an opportunity to tell this story and yeah. I, I didn't I didn't feel like this was quantum leap first and a story about child abuse second. It was definitely the other way around.
1: Wow, Matt, because you Took something out of what I said that I didn't mean. Like I didn't okay, think right. I didn't think that this story existed independently.
0: I think he was just saying it was personal.
1: Yeah, I just think that she she had more of a personal connection to the subject matter in this book for whatever reason, and um, I, I think that um, she turned it to good advantage in making the book uh, more absorbing than her first two.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I I just felt it was tonally such a shift from not only the first two but from quantum leap as we know it and that was again i remember thinking this back in the 90s when i was reading it just thinking well this this is actually quite a good book but i want quantum leap and this this isn't really quantum leap so i'm I'm just gonna not read the rest of the novels you know i might check out some other stuff by this this ashley woman but not yeah not specifically ql because obviously they're doing something totally different with the range
0: no i mean i i feel like it didn't it didn't feel very quantum Leapy to me either, mostly because I, ju- I just felt it was so dry about it. Yeah. Here's the th- like Sam and Al don't feel like Sam and Al to me. It mm. if you're gonna do this story about abuse, like I want to know what these characters are feeling. I want to know what's going on in their minds, and it just doesn't go there. Like Sam is beaten severely mm-hmm. through this whole thing. He's beaten into a concussion and the, the whole th- thing with the wall, the family's not acknowledging what's happening. He's got to tear down this metaphorical wall, this, this cycle of abuse through Missy's life. But you don't get what, what is Sam feeling in this moment? He is being beaten by this woman what does owl feel about sam being beaten at this moment at one point back at the project owl's hanging out with verbena and she's like hey is sam feeling more stressed than usual in the sleep and he (laughs) says no he was beaten into a concussion what are you talking about no obviously there's something going on here and if uh, i just want to know especially because Sam is in the body of a little girl. He's helpless in the sleep. And yet so much of this is just uncomfortable dinners and being mm-hmm. sent to his room over and over and over again i got so sick of reading the same scene over and over and over again he leaves the house maybe once or twice <laughs> and in between that we get boring military guidebook descriptions Man, i could about? not i could not care less about <laughs> any of that stuff and then like I, all of they' they keep cutting back to the project all of this stuff about what's going on there and there's stuff about Verbena and Missy and what she thinks of the situation and then Al is just sort of sitting there eating sandwiches in the cafeteria like I'm not relating to this situation I was <laughs> like why wouldn't he <laughs> why wouldn't he relate to a situation where there was a brother and a sister who was traveling around with an absent father and a bad childhood and a mother who was terrible like all of these things that were just such missed
2: opportunities I had so many <laughs> thoughts about this this is the it's the perfect opportunity for an Al Knows Everything moment, isn't it? It was like, ah, this this is my childhood.
0: Yeah, it's just like if you're gonna go there emotionally, go there emotionally. But I just I just felt nothing about what was going on.
1: Hmm. I was the opposite because Matt, you're right, this is not like typical Quantum Leap, but I think it is within the milieu of Quantum Leap. I think what I admired most about it is that it went for more of the visceral reality. Um, this is not perfunctory TV stuff. This is like hardcore violence. This is, this is more akin to like watching Raped than watching most of Quantum Leap. I know that Raped is an outlier for the series because it is so serious. Mm-hmm. This is an outlier for the novel series because it is so serious. And I think that one of the strengths of Quantum Leap that they didn't play on often enough was just how fucked up the world can be and Sometimes Sam's going to be in a situation where it's not just fun TV time. I mean, if he's really got to change people's lives, this I think is more akin to the kind of stuff that he might be exposed to in say like a real world instead of like a TV world.
0: Yeah, but like that's what does Sam feel about any of this? Like a lot of the time it's just it's just him in his room. Like it's it just feels like I mean, I I it, tell us how fucked up it is. There are times when he's like cowering from this woman traumatized and then just seems to just slide out of this as soon as she leaves the room and like, well, I mean, she's just having a rough time. Yeah. Like, no, like, (laughs) why is there so much defense of this and not a lot like I think once he's just like the, the woman's like fucked up or something there's something yeah, way. yeah. She's he says that she, she's
1: fucking insane that's the worst part of the book like the worst beating that he gets that that we see and um i i even wrote this down i mean sam is altruistic but i can't forgive his constant excuses about Jean's behavior and i just found it like you allison just vexing that he kept on making excuses for this this woman
0: yeah I feel like Sam was more angry about the dad teaching the little girl to salute than about the mom beating her daughter yeah. viciously <laughs> through the whole thing. That's the thing w- when I get about, like, what does Sam feel about the situation? It just feels like he just, he's very even about a lot of it. Like, he'll, like, in the moment, When he's being beaten, of course, he's reacting to it, but it just feels like if you're not going to have a lot of action going on in this story, because a lot of it is just waiting around in his room or eating dinner, then you need to get into the heads of these characters, and I don't feel like this story did. Well, it's funny that you you mentioned that one
1: scene about the saluting, because that's where the book annoyed me. I mean, what Sam doesn't understand, hyperbole. Al says, oh, you better get in your room, you might be court-martialed. Obviously, he's, you know... Making a reference to the situation, he was like, "Court martial, don't you think that's extreme for a child?" It's like, "What are you fucking stupid?" Of course, I didn't mean he was actually going to court martial her. It's like,
0: why is he more angry about the dad than than anything else? That confused me i don't know why doesn't he say
1: anything to al the dad comes in he's more fixated on the fact that he makes the girl salute but doesn't say a fucking word about the fact that she's got her eyes blackened and swelled shut yeah and he doesn't he doesn't even come in didn't you notice this didn't you didn't you notice that they sort of address it at the end of the book
0: yeah and that's what the whole book's supposed to be about the wall and yet it doesn't tell me about the wall
1: So many obvious, obvious things that they could have done or said. But you're right, Allison. That is one of the significant failings of the book. And I think that it sort of plays into some of the, um, I hate to say it, but the weaknesses that we've seen in Ashley's writing when it comes specifically to the relationship between Sam and Al. And I've said this before, and it was again in spades in this book, they just don't seem to like each other. Yeah. Al goes on and on about how (laughs) Sam's his best friend and he misses him and I want to see him back in his body and this, that, and the other thing. when they get together, he just snarks at Sam and Sam just snaps at him. And there is like no helpful, constructive dialogue between the two throughout the entire freaking novel.
0: Yeah, like I, when you were saying in the other books, like, oh, Sam and Al are just arguing, they're like mad at each other all the time, like, I was like, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't think it was that bad. In this one, yeah, like, Sam's just angry at Al all the time, and then Al just doesn't seem like concerned at all about his friend. Like, even if like emotionally he wouldn't be concerned, like physically, like, mm-hmm. Sam could get killed in this, this is a real danger very easily, yeah. And it just, just feels like he's, he's written out of the story, too. Like, so much of the stuff at the project is about Verbena, and then, like, Al, you stay out of the, the room. You
2: stay out of this story, Al. This isn't about you. Don't talk to this kid. <laughs> Which is such a shame, because there's definitely there's a, a moment of connection at the project between Al and Missy before he gets sidelined in favour of Verbena. And there's a few of the books that tackle like and this is stuff we've mostly stuff we've not got onto yet, but the stuff about Al wishing he was a father and like connecting with kids and stuff, they, yeah. they really pick up on that and they could have done so much more here. And they, they she starts doing, but then yeah, she backs off and makes it all about Missy and Verbina, which does at least give Verbena some good material.
0: Yeah, it was nice to see a little more from her. Like they, they mentioned mm. something about uh Verbena has like a sister named Anisha. Yeah. Just a little bit hmm. about her.
1: Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that aspect of it as well because it's, it's the first time I think that we've seen Verbena fleshed out in any way. Mm. I think she was mentioned in the first or the second book. You guys have to refresh my memory, but this is as much about Verbena as it is about Sam and Al. She's like the third lead in this. And all the stuff that Ashley gave her, I liked. And. The way that Ashley like sort of built her into the project and made her more important in the overall scheme of things. Again, that was another precedent setting thing for the novel series because. When it comes down to it, and I think I've said this in different ways before for the first two books, but this is the project that I was writing about when I mm-hmm. was writing Foreknowledge. This was the dynamic that I picked up on and, and carried forward when I was writing Foreknowledge because I just enjoyed the way that Ashley brought Verbena to life and made her a central part of the mythology. I even like the way that she brings Tina to life, even though Tina's not in this book except for one inexplicable scene where she's doing her toenails for no reason.
2: Yeah, what's that all about? I do like she's like, she,
0: they, they uh, mentioned like she thought about like seducing Sam when he came back or something. Like just something so. Yeah, some... it was just about her like, like... being horny for Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that happened, but it was fun. <laughs> it was like, hey, she's also here. She was contractually obligated to have a line or something. Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> all, all this stuff at the, the project, I do. De- I... I have to get into this. The, the biggest reason I really didn't like this book, and it wasn't even any of the stuff I've, I've mentioned, like, the, the biggest thing for me is all of the stuff about the mind-body leap and and Missy and Sam. Ooh, this was all a mind leap. Yeah, Yeah, this was all a body swap. So, it, like, Ashley's been writing it before, Sam is in the body of a five-year-old girl, and then Missy is in the body of a 30-something-year-old man. This book makes the most compelling argument for why that is a terrible idea to swap bodies. No, it doesn't.
2: (laughs) Sorry, go on, go on.
0: All right. This whole thing they're going on about is this child abuse to have this girl in this body of this man. And she's like checking out his body. She's playing with his dick in the bathroom. They talk about that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And then
0: they talk about Sam having to check out her body and deal with that. There's there's multiple bathroom talks about how they deal with that situation. And it, this just highlights why this is a bad idea, a really bad idea, because you don't want to get into the mechanics of this. Like, what would a five-year-old girl think if she was an adult man's body? Like, you do <laughs> It's bad. It's really bad, and I don't want to read about this either. I don't want to read about Sam as a little girl having his panties stolen by, like, creepy little boys and shit. Like, it's just not fun reading for me.
1: Very uncomfortable. I saw this as as the elephant in the room, and at least Ashley tackled it head on, because how could you not?
0: But we don't want that, though. <laughs> That's the reason you don't get into that. But the thing is,
1: if you're going to introduce this dynamic, at least she didn't try to write around it. I'm not saying yeah. that I, I, I enjoyed those scenes. I'm not saying that you're wrong, Allison. I'm just saying that at least they acknowledged it. They didn't just gloss over it. And I think this is why we don't see Sam, like, leaping into children very often, and he's never leapt into a little girl, as far as I remember.
0: Yeah, but in the show, they they the only thing they ever said, like, concretely was that it was his body, so it wouldn't matter if it was a little kid.
2: Yeah. But there's the, this novel could not have worked if it was not a body swap-type leap. And, yeah, there's bits of it that I didn't like reading about, and... She could have written around that, but at least, like the last couple of novels where it's, where she's gone into that, it, it's mostly been offhand and hasn't actually advanced the story forward. This, at least, okay, it's inconsistent with what we know from the TV show, but it's used to good effect a lot of the time. Because you, you can't have Sam being beaten by some, some guy unless he's actually in the body of a little girl so it's it's necessary and at least at least there's that element to it, but yeah there's, there's bits that she could have just not written.
0: I didn't want to read about her playing with Sam's dick. I no, didn't want no. to read about the verbena talking about drugging her so she won't remember that she's in a man's body and then like gassing her in the, <laughs> in the room and all that
2: It's sinister, it's sinister and weird those were choices those were choices, and they they were bad choices but like I say, if, if they're going to be inconsistent with the show, at least do it for a reason and not just for a line that you just turn the page and read and say, ah, why couldn't you have just done this right?
0: The only time it, it really intrigued me is the very beginning. When Sam leaps in, he thinks he's being like attacked by a giant because mm-hmm. he's suddenly in this very tiny body. And so there's that like physical element of it he is suddenly like a much smaller weaker person Mm. physically when normally he's he's used to being able to handle these kinds of situations so that was kind of interesting but i feel like past that point it stopped being as much of an issue as it could have been they talk about like what's it like to be in a little girl's body he's got to like step on a stool to reach something in the bathroom and of course when his mom's attacking him um but i just don't feel like it was enough to really justify any of it
1: i, I yeah i i really don't know how else she would have done it it's exactly what matt just said to instill that sense of danger because sam could have just done a flying noodle kick otherwise and he probably <laughs> would have <laughs> again that's i think was part of the strength of the book in the sense that there were no punches pulled i hate to say that i don't mean to be, like make a pun but it did put sam in real peril the dynamic that they set up it just happened to coincide with all of that creepy stuff back in the waiting room and um I, uh, yeah uh You can't have it both ways. If you're going to use that setup to explore the child abuse aspect, you can't just ignore that setup when it comes to the body and the the swap of of the little girl and what she might be experiencing in the future.
0: Yeah, I I guess there's ways that this could have been addressed if it was still a mind leap thing. Obviously, that's not how Ashley McConnell had been writing the stories, but Sam is still a little girl so it's not like he can just do a flying noodle kick and then run away and everything's fine and they're in a american military base in germany like where is he gonna go so he has to stay in this situation as missy maybe he could defend himself a little better but maybe he has to play along with it maybe there's some psycho synergizing going on and he feels this little girl's trauma there's lots of ways that you can go about this without him having to be in a little girl's body but if you're gonna write a story about him being a little girl's body maybe just don't talk about those aspects uh, yeah. about like them like exploring their the new bodies that they're in and like all, all this other stuff like there's things on the show that are problematic that they never went into because it's like yeah you don't want to if you get into it it's kind of creepy and gross but they did through a lot of this book a lot of the stuff at the project had to do with Verbena deciding whether this was child abuse or whether to drug her or not I think when they talk about her like playing with Sam's dick in the bathroom like they, it's like and then they got kind of upset about that and made her take some pills or something it's like what no
2: no can, can we have an agreement that Allison doesn't use the phrase playing with Sam's dick again during this podcast
0: <laughs> she does though
2: It's I, a, you
1: in the room. you can't you can't get around it yeah no and I think that uh, the way they they sort of hedged on the reaction she wasn't traumatized she just seemed more concerned or um, impressed that she could aim better when she peed yeah but you don't want a
0: five year old girl playing with a grown man's dick I'm sorry
1: (laughs) I think we're gonna have to put a little warning at the top of this show Uh, I'm sorry because I ain't leaving dick 75 times
2: (laughs) I'm sorry
0: his wee wee she plays with his wee wee
2: oh that's (laughs) That's that's not good
0: (laughs) I did notice, like, okay, when, um, when she wakes up in Sam's body in the waiting room, she goes, where's my mommy? And I was just thinking of dreams. <laughs> where's my mommy? Uh, I really
1: am so glad that this will never be produced as a TV show because I can't imagine Scott doing Missy as anything other than that falsetto. And <laughs> it would just take it. Uh, thank God I could picture Missy in the waiting room instead of Sam speaking like Missy because, (laughs) oh boy, that would have been a rough watch.
0: I mean, I I guess there was some sort of interesting elements in that imagining this is Sam's body doing all these things a five-year-old girl would do in the waiting room, like, sitting there, like, coloring, but, like, using big man hands Mm and sitting at little kid tables or whatever. (laughs) There's kind of that that was interesting. But again, uh, it's just so much of it is kind of just wrapped up in in a lot of things that were hard for me to get over.
1: Well, to get back to a point that you had made earlier, Matt, about missed opportunities with Al and this mirroring his childhood to a great extent. I I think that they did address that towards the end where Al is um, in the cafeteria having another sandwich or whatever. And Verbena is talking about Missy's upbringing and, and, you know, therapy and all that. And Al basically – gets into a defensive mode in his head saying, yeah, and then they going to talk about this and then are going to talk about that. And then they're going to analyze me and no, thank you. I'm fine. Thank you very much. I think that what Ashley was able to do here was to show that maybe Al does have some trauma, but he is not willing to face up to it yet.
0: Yeah. But wouldn't that be great to see that in the rest of the book? Wouldn't that have been great if Sam and Al had talked to each other about that? And Al's like, no, this isn't about me. Well, they don't talk Ashley. No, Ash- in-, in Ashley's universe,
1: they're not friends. They're barely co-workers. (laughs)
0: That's what I'm saying, though. Like, it would have been a great opportunity, especially when they talk about how, like, oh, well, Missy ends up in foster care because her mom kills herself and and the dad's traveling. It's like, well, that's Al's situation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's exactly Al's situation. Like, there's a wall there, too. But the the book has put the wall up. Break the wall down, Ashley. (laughs) Let's get into this. But there's like one paragraph near the end about that. It's like, well, I, I love that. Can we can we get into that? And they don't. It's like a paragraph. I wonder
1: if she was up against the time crunch, or maybe she just wasn't thinking like we think. And that's one of the problems I had with the books when I first started reading them, because they didn't capture the show or think about the show the way that I thought about the show. So – it's, it's been an experience now like I said with, with with decades behind me and not being that uber fan anymore to reapproach these books and appreciate them on their own merits and I, again I know you guys don't agree I just found that this one was more engaging and I think that there was a lot of problems in Ashley's writing in the first two books mainly there's a lot of stuff in the middle where they don't know what's happening they're just spinning their wheels they repeat what Sam needs to do but he doesn't know how to do it I think that she really leaned into that in this one because Sam's mission changes every five minutes in this book. First he's got to I guess stop Missy from being beaten then he's got to prevent World War 3 which made me laugh out loud (laughs) but then you know all of a sudden they figure out a way to thwart that with Marta the DP and Walt the proto-rapist and they then go okay I haven't leaped yet so then what else and it seems like this is where Ashley falls down sometimes spinning her wheels but I think she used it to actual good effect here because it was just, like, kind of messy, kind of sloppy. Like, I don't know what I'm here to do. I'm six. I can't even get out of this apartment barely. You're telling me I have to prevent World War Three, You know, and now you're telling me I have to prevent um, my mother from committing suicide. I have to prevent this kid from running away and dying in a fire. How am I supposed to do
0: any of this? <sighs> World War Three like, solves itself. Yeah. It solves itself. Like he just is getting away from the kid who wants to steal his panties, and the kid reports Marta, and that seems to be the big thing that solves itself there. And the, and like so, World War Three is just sort of an aside. They talk about it a lot, but the conclusion is like, okay, I I guess that happened. Like, wouldn't that have been exciting? But it, it but it wasn't.
2: I find that and and all those elements tied to that very much padding. Like this this could have been a much. Slicker, sharper novel if they'd have said if Ashley had just decided this is about child abuse, and we're going to set it in any town America and not try and get into the the war stuff and all this other stuff that's just more dark and depressing shit.
1: I'm going to disagree with you um, wholeheartedly on that, sir. I loved the World War III stuff. I love the fact that they um, gave this leap like a broader sense of history and they explored some of that history. If this had just been small town America, domestic abuse, um, it would have been very much like too close for comfort dynamically because a lot of depressing domesticity in that as well. Mm-hmm. At least this gave the book a bigger sense of scope to me and they mentioned nuclear family which is my favorite episode
2: (laughs) i wrote that down yeah
0: Yeah. nuclear family we all smiled at that
2: like oh, chris is gonna like at least one page of this
1: and one of the things that we don't get in quantum leap which which i hope that they can address in the new series is that sam lives in a broader world and we always talk about much more domestic issues on the show it's nice to see him interacting with history on a deeper level here he's in Germany he's in in a situation that's unlike any situation he's ever been in and I liked that change it wasn't just another suburban crisis that he had to solve
0: like it's such an interesting setting, and yet I, I don't feel like a lot was done with it. Like it's like oh this is different. Like he's in Germany and the, he's in a, an American little girl and all that. It was kind of creepy near the end when they had like the, the sirens going off and he's running around town, but like no one's there. He's got to stop. Uh, he's got to save the brother from a fire, and uh, he finds him and they mention a trilogy. Like, at one, at one yeah, point, like, clean, he remembers getting yeah, caught yeah. in the fire. Yeah. yeah. yeah, That was cool. Yeah, he uh he ends up breaking his arm while he's saving him. And then Al had mentioned earlier in the story, like, Missy broke her arm at some point. And then you almost forget that he broke his arm because it's like, oh, damn, he broke his arm anyway. And now he's running around doing this. It's like, well, wouldn't that hinder him a little bit? Like, what's the <laughs> point of this? Like, if you're going to do it, then do it, you know? I think
1: it was maybe just to add some drama.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't – what was the drama? He broke his arm and then – I don't know. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) He
1: said, ouch. It slowed him down a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm complaining a lot. (laughs) I just – that's what bothered me about this, though, because these are exciting things, and they're written in the, like, Mm -hmm. most boring way they could have been written, in my opinion. Wow. But I I don't think, like, Ashley McConnell's a bad writer, like, I – because I liked the other two books fine. Well, the the, – the other one had some similar issues. Um, too close for comfort. Yeah. Um, in in the the it was another abusive family situation where you're kind of just stuck in these situations with these jerks and like all right. But I do feel like that one got the characters a little better. You you had more of a sense of what people were feeling and in this one it just it just felt very oppressive and not in an interesting way. I did
1: like the fact though that
0: uh, Sam cut through
1: the bullshit when it came to the world war 3 thing he's like how am i going to prevent it i was like we don't know and he said then it's a non issue i'm just going to figure out a way to make missy's mom stop hitting her so it, it you know we did get some 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 nice direction from sam even though he really had no options he had a purpose within himself that he was able to cling to another really interesting sort of core of this novel was a lot of the timey-wimey discussions and um, again, I, I touched on this earlier um, and the fact that Sam just needed to cling to one mission because his mission kept changing. It was so sloppy. It's just like you change this, but now this happens. You change this, but now this happens. But now this happens again. Now we got to go back to this. And I think that in a lot of leaps we get – a because, because fiction has its demands, we get a very neat narrative through line. With many of the leaps. You change this one thing or these two things, and then, you know, everything is solved, and then you leap. But again, I think in a real world setting, if you change one thing, three other bad things might happen. It shouldn't always be as cut and dry as it is on the show, and you need that because that's a TV show. That's the way you put stories together. I, I kind of liked that they played with the fact that maybe there isn't one concrete answer here. Maybe. Every situation leads to branching possibilities that then have, they have to deal with. And it's very tough to find your way forward. I can understand where it's frustrating as a reader where you're just saying, where are they going with this? But mm. as I said, considering that Ashley spends a lot of her time spinning her wheels, I think she at least played it up to good effect here. And um, she expanded on the core premise of Quantum Leap in an interesting way. Let me read. I have it here in my notes. This is when they're talking about World War Three. And um, now what? Ziggy says you have to keep Missy's father from losing some papers. We can't tell. Maybe he leaves them behind. Where is Ziggy getting all of this? From data in a timeline that doesn't exist?
0: Well, they um they get into that a little bit. They're talking about the project exists outside of time in some way. Mm. Yes. And
1: I wanted to talk to you guys about that.
0: Like, they're in some sort of limbo until World War Three can be prevented? I'm so intrigued and confused by all of that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I mean, it's like there must be some sort of, like, time bubble or something, like, that gives them time whenever Sam changes something that could potentially lead to a bad situation in the future, because how else are they going to solve this? So... It's interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, think, thinking about episodes like Elite for Lisa, uh, that would have been handy if Al hadn't immediately popped out of the timeline. Um, <laughs> it it would have, unfortunately, meant we would have lost Roddy McDowell's performance. But uh, yeah, I think there's times in the show where that would have been beneficial.
0: Maybe the, maybe the time, the odds going down, though, when when, when Al is counting down, to when he um disappears maybe that's the bubble shrinking and disappearing because like yeah yeah, that's the
1: sliver of reality because as long as there's a one percent chance there's still a chance
0: because otherwise as soon as sam did the thing that triggered him dying he would have just blinked out of existence but there was like time for that to build up
2: yeah okay no fair enough i can go with that
1: Hmm. so this is this is how Ashley writes it, and I really feel like I wrote a little something similar in foreknowledge many years later without realizing I was copying it from her. you guys can judge me on that when we get to my book, but (laughs) she writes, the project existed in the moment of time in which it could exist, a slice which at the moment was exceedingly narrow. Those really drastic changes in the time stream, which threatened the very existence of the project, slipped it sideways until things settled down again. So far, things had always settled down. No one wanted to think about the consequences if they didn't. Meanwhile, the continuum of sideways outside the perimeters of the project was chaos. Now, I'm trying to figure out what she
0: means by that. I mean, okay, I guess... It's World War Three going on outside of their little bubble and they're sitting there in the cafeteria like, oh, that'd suck. <laughs> Don't go out there.
2: <laughs> it's very poetic. It's a really nice piece. Her saying that, that,
1: that, that they slipped sideways, I guess is her way of saying that's how they slip, quote, out of time. But then she's saying that outside the perimeters of the project is chaos so does that mean if you go outside while sam is on a leap that there is no reality that they're just existing in in some weird time bubble that but and that contradicts everything that we've ever seen because leon can get out and there's a world there um tina leaves yeah in the first book al leaves in the second book i i just i'm I'm trying to figure out what the hell she means by this
2: and i I think there's a couple of novels that reference Al's ability specifically to kind of see multiple timelines, which is the same sort of concept, I guess, but on a much more local level. I do think they do some some interesting
0: stuff with the timeline there. I mean, like, I don't think they're trying to say that whenever Sam leaps, they can just never leave the project. I think that uh, they're saying in this particular one, because World War Three is apparently going on, uh, that would be just chaos out there right like it's it's world war three outside of their their project
2: literal chaos not some kind of temporal chaos
0: yeah i think that's what they're they were getting at what ashley mcconnell was getting at but
1: i took it as temporal chaos i didn't think that world war three actually came to pass and that sam was preventing it
0: i think that was the the world the the new timeline coming in at them But I didn't I thought like the way that maybe they're just used to this at this point, but it feels like this is bigger stakes than normal World War Three. They've certainly had things that happen on leaps that were pretty serious, but like World War Three would be a big deal and yet al is sitting there in the cafeteria with rubina (sighs) shooting the shit about whatever like yeah i guess out there is world war three i guess we got to stick around in here for a while and it's like talk to sam do something like why aren't you urgent about this and then like oh no sam's not under more stress than normal he's being beaten and world war three is at stake and whatever (laughs) sloppy joe day
2: (laughs) What's the point of urgency? Think fourth dimensionally. There's no there's no sense of urgency when you're going back in time to prevent something from happening in the first place. I just want to
1: back up though, and you're right about that, Matt, but, um, I don't think that World War three ever broke out within the covers of this, <laughs> this novel. Like, I think that it was a possibility that they brought up and Sam was supposed to prevent it. And they even had circular arguments about, well, it never happened to begin with. So why would I need to prevent it? Blah, blah, blah. But I never got the impression that, you know, the bombs were flying and they were now living in a World War three reality.
2: But then that, uh, that very poetic piece is lovely, but. Totally inconsistent with everything in every other novel and TV episode.
1: Yeah, so I was just thinking, is it is it chaos? Like, I I I just don't know. I'm, I'm trying to like parse it. Was very metaphorical, and I'm just trying to like place it into the Quantum Leap universe that we know, and I'm having a hard time.
2: It's the tie in paradox. It's um, it's good writing that's inconsistent with the rest of the series. And is it a problem if it makes a novel good? And if it's a good bit? Is that an issue when it's just – and the only problem is that it's meant to be inspired by a TV show, but it's doing something different? I don't have the answer to that. I think there's, there's good arguments either way.
1: Yeah, it's fair to speculate, and it's the kind of speculation that I personally enjoy. And that's why – I mean, I, I wanted to bring it up with you guys just to see if you had any more firm grasp on what she might have intended there than I was able to come away with. And I think the answer is no. But it's still an interesting thought experiment.
0: I mean, my, my takeaway was it was World War Three. I think it was literal chaos, and until they changed the timeline back, hmm. or fixed the leap or whatever, then they were just kind of stuck there for a little bit in their own little safe time bubble. That was my interpretation, anyway. All
1: right. I guess that's fair. I think that doesn't make sense to me because Al... what do you think it was i don't know what it was that's why i'm asking you guys i'm not (laughs) I, i i'm just i respect that that's your interpretation i just don't happen to agree with it because then it becomes a completely different book um i anyway anyway i i think it's an interesting sort of musing that they do and they do have some good lines in here about um you know maybe sam being the architect of his own leaping which foreshadows the end of the series
0: Yeah, they say a lot of stuff about that, like, he wonders if he leaped in to change his own past, or if he's creating his own timeline by leaping to ensure he creates the project, all sorts of, like, threads there.
1: Yeah. And I did like that. But what do you guys think about the conceit that she pretty much cements in here? I mean, she alludes to it earlier in the novels how Al goes to Sam's office and small things have changed. But now every time Al comes out of the imaging chamber, he's got to confer with Ziggy about what has changed around him Mm -hmm. in the minutes that he's with Sam. In this case, I guess the most blatant example is that first he's dating Tina. And then in this version of reality that you're returning to, Tina's married to Gushy.
0: I felt so bad for him there. He's like, she's <laughs> married to Gushy, so he's got to wait it out till they're not married anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but what do you guys think about that? Because I have problems with that. Because how can the project exist in any kind of cohesive fashion if its very own sort of foundations are always shifting?
0: I mean, I don't think the core of it shifts. Unless something's really gone wrong, it's just little things that change in the timeline. I don't really know how whatever Sam does makes Gushy and Tina get married, or I don't know why it, it always always changes something at the project.
2: Um, Butterfly effect, in it,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it like it adds another layer of tragedy to Al. We talked about this before: the fact that he remembers all the timelines that he's got. This sort of private burden to deal with although in in this book it says that he told verbena about it she's the only one that he told about this about remembering other timelines
1: right and she doesn't want to uh dwell on it any more than she has to because she's saying what if there's an uh, an existence where i don't have a sister or something like that
0: yeah but like al's talking to the project psychiatrist about that he's got some stuff to deal with huh especially someone who's so resistant to therapy and stuff
2: yeah yeah. He's got some things. See I I can't see any reason why the timeline would be somehow protected at the project. I find it it's all technically seems very possible, in fact likely, but I just find it dramatically unsatisfying knowing that all these characters that we're occasionally picking up with through the show every once every season or so and in most of the novels Their timelines are just in flux and changing, and none of them remember any of this. They're just suddenly married to each other or having affairs with each other or whatever. I just... (sighs) It stops me from caring about the characters so much, knowing that, all right, in the next novel they might be having entirely different relationships, and no one knows or cares.
0: Yeah. That's kind of an issue with time travel stuff in general, isn't it? Like, when they, like... That always bothers me in in stuff when it's a time travel property and they change something so drastically, you know, like... Yeah. It's like, well, then what did we spend all this time for? You don't like undoing character development.
2: I just want... Well, just, just a line in there somewhere saying that, yeah, there's some kind of bubble protecting the project so that everything outside the project changes, but within the project, nothing changes. It doesn't make any sense. techno Technobabble, whatever. But it does mean that the relationship with Tina that... You know Al spends the entire of Dr. Ruth building the relationship with Tina, and yeah, that could mm-hmm. just that could just go, yeah, I would have liked to see some of their relationship
0: where it isn't just Al trying to get her to come back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> Maybe we could like see what their relationship's like and not just, Tina, come back to the project. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I,
1: this is, this is one of the conceits of the novels that I think other authors pick up on and play with that I just never bought. I just don't like that as a premise, as a concept. I think it's ridiculous that Sam doing one thing will change things specifically back at Project Quantum Leap. Why? It, it's, it's just to have fun with the narrative, you know? It's just because.
0: I think there's only two reasons it should happen. One to explain inconsistencies <laughs> that you're like whoops, yeah. <laughs> whoopsie doodle, yeah. and two when it's interesting. Just do it when it's interesting. You don't need like constantly to be like, oh, this has changed, this is that or whatever, like and especially because if it changes every time, Al would just go insane. Yeah. He was, he was the only one who would remember all this stuff like sometimes it's like a little too tragic. <laughs> and I
2: know, I I know I said the the butterfly effect seems incredibly likely. But actually, the more I think about that, in the world of quantum leap, it starts to become more and more problematic because you start picking at things and saying, well, maybe the events of what price Gloria means we have a different president in the nineties. Right. Because, yeah. <laughs> and like the entire world is just changing around them because Sam made it rain, uh, in the middle of a drought. And, you know, that, that somehow has meant war broke out somewhere else.
0: And that's just Sam. What about you? If you factor in the evil leapers, and like yes. if any leaper just doing anything, cha- like it's it is chaos. It's temporal chaos. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. So we can't have the butterfly effect in quantum leap. So therefore. What is Sam doing specifically that's screwing up Tina's relationship with Al? Right. What did he do while he was missing?
1: And basically, then, at this point, Al is just surfing a multiverse.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At one
0: point, Sam theorizes that in another timeline, he leaps in his body to try and explain this inconsistency. But then it's like, how did that happen? How (laughs) would that happen? Uh.
1: (laughs) Well, always have this argument about the
2: mind-body thing. I think it's in flux. I've got a theory on this, and it's working so far. All of the the novel, and I don't know, I have to to check through all the novels to make sure this is the case, but all of the novels that reference it being a a body swap are all set after Trilogy Part 3. And Trilogy Part 3 is where we discover that Sammy Jo is now at the project with her own way of trying to get Sam back. And in her attempts to get Sam back, she does something that screws up the way that leaping works. And so the entire physics of leaping change for the second half of season five, which includes Dr. Ruth, which is the one where the Leapy suddenly needs a pair of glasses. And it includes Mirror Image, where the fact that the waiting room is empty is apparently a weird thing, which it shouldn't be. So it kind of, it fixes some issues with the second half of season five.
0: Wait, you're saying that's when the body leaps start or the mind leaps?
2: The mind leaps. The body swaps, the mind leaps.
0: Oh, the mind leaps
2: start then. Okay. <laughs> the, the Chris leaps. The yeah, novel right. leaps.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. Sure.
2: So all of this happens after Sammy Jo starts messing around with things. It's all Sammy Jo's fault that now it's Sam's mind leaping because she's able to get his body back into the waiting room. That's her like half attempt at getting him home. She gets the body back, but the mind stays out there. So the entire second half of season five and most of the novels, all set post trilogy three, all have mind leaps. Body leaps. Oh my God. Mind leaps. <laughs> mind I'm leaps. Stop talking you're, now. You say mind leaps. I told you it's an in-progress theory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an in-progress thought as well. Apparently, this this is uh, as we read through the novels. I need to check if this holds up because I know most of the novels are probably set during season five, but they need to be set after trilogy three for this to to work for me. <laughs> well, this
1: was set after trilogy. Yeah, and uh, no Sammy Joe anywhere in sight at the project. No Donna.
0: No. Well, yeah, I guess it still was after Trilogy. It was after Trilogy and before Blood Moon, because he says he never leaped to Europe. Exactly. Or maybe he wanted to forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> Who can blame him? He Swiss cheesed it. He's like, eh. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, Tommy. We love you.
0: <laughs> they did have a, an interesting uh, line where um, Sam remembers Tom dying and not. Yes. He remembers both. Mm. Yeah, and he's like he's not sure if the things he is stay changed. So this seems kind of different because in um, Leap for Lisa, it seemed like Sam did uh, not remember the other timelines because he was starting to forget Al. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I think that, um, again, I think when you're writing and trying to get into a character's head, a lot of the musing that you do is just you coming up with for them to think about. And I've been in this situation, so it's just like, what would be an interesting thing for Sam to think about in this instance? And the fact that, um, you know, he remembers that Tom died, but then he remembers being the best man at his wedding. Which one is right? Well, I think he would remember both because if you think about it, he's been leaping since before and after Tom's, quote, two realities – So, Mm -hmm. he's never really been able to settle down into one time or the other. I I still think like his mind would be in flux as well.
0: So, he exists outside of any timeline? Yeah. To to an extent, I think
1: that him remembering both timelines is just fine. And the fact that he was forgetting Al in that one episode maybe contradicts that, but I I think that – that would be the anomaly i think that he would tend to remember
0: both i always kind of thought of it like he remembered the leap saving tom so he remembered that tom died at some point because that's why he was there but then his mind sort of adjusted to the new timeline and he kind of had to like i don't know uh sort through that like his brother was dead now he's not But if you think about it in the books, if Al can remember both timelines
1: and Ziggy can remember both timelines, Sam is the third part of that triumvirate. He should be able to remember both timelines as well.
0: But that's how it works in the show, too. Like, Al seems to remember and then then Sam doesn't. So that's kind of interesting. I I always thought it was something to do with how Al was connected to Ziggy that was different Mm -hmm. than Sam. Something to do with him being the observer. Well,
1: that's interesting. You should write a short story about that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: um they there's even like a line um where al wonders if ziggy can read their minds because their chips are made from their nerve their nerve tissue so i don't know maybe that has something to do with yeah but then i'm thinking if they're
1: if it's such an amalgam i think that sam would have sort of the same experience that's that's all but it's that's open to interpretation you know yeah. And if you found things in the show that back up your interpretation, to me, that's very interesting because that's not the way I ever thought about it. So it's cool.
0: Yeah. I just think like, I don't, it, it, because it seems inconsistent that like, I don't know, maybe Al had to be connected in some different way to be observer. And that's why he seems to be the one that remembers.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Very cool. Very cool. mm. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of interesting time travel stuff in this. And um, I think more interesting than it's been played up in the previous books, at least a little bit more compelling, where I think in the previous books it was just confusing, It maybe sometimes even contradictory.
2: It's almost like she's starting to think about her next novel. <laughs> <laughs> How does all this work? Somebody should write a book about all that.
0: The, see, there's... <sighs> I wrote about down a bunch of this stuff and all of it, it feels like there there's these threads that are kind of picked up and then not taken anywhere, probably in the next book. Just interesting thoughts that just are like by themselves. Like there's uh, one part where Sam is uh, wondering um, where he's talking about like, what what did he do to create this project? And he's like, well, maybe I programmed Ziggy to lead me into these situations. And, and this fate is all because of it's my own design um, and it says the most dreadful possibility is that he's changing time to his liking. He's like, what What if I was just like, what if I, I did this for some sinister reason? I'm trying to change time. He had some plan.
2: Yeah, there's definitely what feels like some some build up to Prelude going on.
0: But also, just
1: as we discussed in Starcross, his prime directive, so to speak, was that time travel shall not change things to his benefit.
0: That's true. He, he had that rule to stop himself. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's something that's always been on his mind canonically. So it's another interesting way to think about it. And the only thing that makes me um, say maybe not is that we do get um, a couple of instances where he's between leaps. And there is obviously some kind of higher presence judging him and telling him you can't go home yet. So unless that's somehow him doing it to himself, then it seems that whatever Sam's intent, he is now sort of working at the behest of, of somebody else. He's he's part of somebody else's agenda.
0: It's future Sam. He leaps so long he became just this entity, this this cosmic entity. <laughs> hey, isn't that the plot of Enterprise?
1: Exactly. I was just thinking he's he's
0: future guy. <laughs>
1: In in, (laughs) Enterprise, Uh, and that was always the intent. They never really revealed who Future Guy was, but they always said it was going to be Archer. So, which would would
2: have been just total bullshit. But anyway, um,
1: I guess they could have done it.
2: Oh, you're not going to like the uh, new Quantum Leap series, then?
1: (laughs) Oh, sorry, did I say that out loud?
0: (laughs) Archer is Future Guy in it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I hope they get into the evil leapers, and then, like, they're like, who's running everything? And then Sam comes out, (laughs) (laughs) dun-dun-dun.
2: But it turns out it's not Sam, it's actually Captain Archer.
0: Yeah, it's Archer the whole time.
2: (laughs) We got Scott back! (laughs) He's not Sam!
0: (laughs) Just go completely insane, new quantum leap.
1: (laughs) Well, guys, I don't think I have much more to say about the wall. I have more! I have more! What do you got? Go on, go on.
0: I have a bunch of stuff, okay. Sam asks, if success has nothing to do with leaping, what's the point of leaping at all? <laughs> yeah, fair point. Which is a point that we brought up. Um, also to do with the, the timey-wimey stuff, Al says that he used to be in the Navy and he was an admiral. He doesn't say is an admiral. He says that he was. I, I didn't spot that. So is he not an admiral in this timeline? maybe
1: was an admiral, like, active duty, but he's retired now? I mean, he is still Admiral Calavici.
0: They always refer to him as an admiral. Do you just know. keep the title, I yeah, guess?
2: I think you do. Just
1: like they call ex-president's president.
0: I guess, yeah.
2: But then that would be a slip that he should be saying he is an admiral.
0: Yeah, because he's, like, still, like, seems to be doing active stuff in the show. Yeah, yeah. As an admiral. So probably just a slip. They say that Ziggy is, I guess they mean the... The project, uh, buried under acres of lava and Is that how you pronounce it—lava? Are they in a volcano?
1: <laughs> no, I think that they meant like some kind of lava rock. Molten lava turns into rock. I don't know why they would say lava unless they meant like obsidian or something like that. Or I don't. Yeah, got me.
2: I read that as lava,
1: lava.
0: Do they think in New Mexico there's a there's a volcano somewhere? <laughs>
1: I didn't understand that. Anybody (laughs) out there who's a geologist, please contact us and clarify that line for us, because we don't know what the hell's going on.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just Googled. I didn't know that the term lava is also used for solidified rock formed by the cooling of molten lava flow. I thought lava was always liquid.
0: Is there lava rock in New Mexico?
2: Well, yeah. All right. That's, That's besides the point. Shush.
0: like there that would mean that there was a volcano and lava there at some point.
2: Yeah, that that was created by the timeline that Sam created in Jimmy. Um <laughs> by saving Jimmy, uh, a volcano was created there. Butterfly I'm vac, butterfly. Look it up,
0: New Mexico volcano. <laughs> there are no active volcanoes in New Mexico, but there's extinct volcanoes. So there you go. So that's how we can determine where Stallion's Gate.
2: <laughs> <gasps>
0: we just look up where the volcanoes are. All right, cool. I like that. The glowing blue mountain is it used to be a volcano. I like this.
1: And that's why there's such an extensive cave system under there, because the lava had to come up from somewhere, right?
0: Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh.
1: This is good stuff. And it's not like it dried in place. It shot all out and just left tunnels behind. <laughs> there. Thank you,
2: Ashley. Thank
1: you. This is good. Next one, Alison. What do you got? Let's solve the next okay. one. Okay.
0: <laughs> Sam says, oh, nuts, instead of oh, boy. <laughs> oh, nuts. <laughs> Which is kind of a, a very adorable way to start this very, very heavy leap. Yeah, and then he gets punched for it, so, uh-oh. He gets punched for saying, oh, nuts! Yeah. <laughs> Man. Should have stuck to, oh, boy. Okay, uh, this seemed out of character to me. Al attends the mass alongside Sam. Is this just that Catholic guilt coming in? Because he could show him what to do? I guess yeah, but he's attending it with him. He's not just showing him what to do. They make a point of saying he's actually attending the mass. He's wearing like a suit. Yeah. And everything. Well,
1: didn't he sort of sort of get over that in um Leap of Faith?
0: Was it Leap of Faith? He sort of came to peace with it? Yeah, I think he's, he's I think he's had a very complicated relationship with God. I don't think he's going back to church or anything, but maybe that is kind of that Catholic guilt. Yeah, it could you be. Know, or maybe he's just like, oh, Sam needs me to do this,
1: I can I can do it. Um I've had my epiphany about this part of my life way back in the middle of season three or the beginning of season three. And now we can uh now we can see that I've grown in this area.
0: I don't know. I just didn't see him as like a church going guy, you know?
1: No, but that doesn't – but the thing is he doesn't refuse to go into churches anymore, and he knows the mass, obviously. So he just went in there to help Sam out, and if he's going to be going to mass, he's going to be going respectfully.
0: Yeah, I guess. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I did like – that made me laugh, though, that scene, because um, he writes the mass would be in Latin. He could handle Latin, like Sam speaks Latin. (laughs) And he's talking about, like, um, translating – what he said was – it was Caligula or something like that that he was translating. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so that that made me chuckle. Well, he could handle it. What that. a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what he also speaks in this book? Russian. Yeah. They say that he can speak Russian, but he he didn't in Lee Harvey Oswald. It was weird that he could speak Russian because he didn't normally know it. Do you think he picked
1: that up from Lee?
0: Maybe he he retained it. Yeah, maybe he j- he just kept it. He yeah. retained, he learned Russian from Lee Harvey Oswald. Sure. <laughs> I guess, I guess. I never thought about him just retaining a skill like that, but that's an interesting possibility.
2: Wow, so many opportunities for stuff to just be picked up through the show.
0: Yeah, he's like that, that uh, girl on Heroes that could like mimic whatever she mm. sees on the TV and suddenly she can do it. Picking up wrestling moves and stuff. <laughs> well, he was
1: he was especially psycho synergized with with Oswald. So that's my headcanon.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you would hope he didn't retain too much from him,
1: but he does mention it in this book obliquely. Something with a rifle. Right. Having leapt twice, this is when he leaps into the adult missing.
0: The there was also a uh, Captain Planet reference. <laughs> <laughs> yes, had to have been in there because Dean Stockwell did a uh, D- Duke Newcomb. <laughs>
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) That was the name of the character, right? It's also Duke Nukem? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a character on Captain Planet called Duke Nukem. He likes to pollute, and Dean Stockwell did the voice for him originally. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. I had no idea. (laughs) Okay, I have a couple more things, and then I'm done. Um (laughs) So when Sam leaps into the adult Missy, Al asks him how it feels to cross his arms over breasts. Yeah. Like, he's like, isn't that weird? It <laughs> is weird. And this is uh, <laughs> the biggest problem I had with
1: Al in this book. I mean, he is the biggest misogynist and he, I mean, but it's not even like in the cute charming Al way. He's just an asshole. I mean, yeah. he's, he's saying nothing worse than a drunk woman, something like that. Nothing worse than a drunk woman. He's a drunk but there's nothing yeah. worse than a drunk woman.
0: Yeah. He condescends to verbena. That seems like something he'd do, though. Kind of hypocritical at times. <laughs> but you, you, you gotta, you gotta throw some charm on it. You know, I feel like this, she didn't really get the like.
1: But in this one, all he's doing is like looking through keyholes into bedrooms. He's musing about, that's <laughs> my job, not your job, Sam. And then he sticks his head in while the mom and the dad are having sex. Yeah.
0: There's a time to be horny, Al, and it's not when Sam's being viciously beaten, I think exactly there's a balance between horny al and concerned al <laughs> and then sam's like you can't watch me get undressed <laughs> it's like the, you're
1: just now just plain unlikable al so yeah that yeah oof. 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 okay
0: the, the last thing that i had written um before each leap in uh, when Sam leaps into young Missy and adult Missy, he thinks the exact same paragraph. Yes, I did notice that. As if he Swiss cheese the thought. And I thought that was really, really clever. I liked that. I think that um, that was an effective
1: mirroring of him coming in. Mm-hmm. I just hope that she doesn't do it for every leap in from now on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so.
1: I think it's just... It'll be her version of a uh, time-traveling little ranger who doesn't even need the mask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I do recall her copying and pasting some of her own stuff into flashbacks in Prelude, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah, I, that's what I thought anyway. I, I remembered one book copying and pasting old scenes.
2: Am I wrong? Do you remember this, Matt? I I don't, but... I, it doesn't surprise me. We'll have to keep an eye we'll, out for we'll it. We'll find it when we get to it.
0: Yeah. Prelude's next. Yeah, I remembered that happening. Uh, I really liked that because it's got to be so frustrating for Sam not knowing the things that you don't remember. So even like your private thoughts, you could have thought these a million times over and he's thinking the same thing.
1: Hmm. And he wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone else find it disquieting that instead of Doctor, everybody at the project is calling Sam director? when their director gets back. I guess they gave him a title in this one that he didn't have before, but um yeah. I never think of Sam as like his administrative role. I don't know. It just struck me as weird because I don't think I've seen it anywhere before.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm kind of used to like reading fanfics and from the other novels that just sort of became a thing like interchangeable. He's the director, he's also Dr. Beckett, you know. I guess like at the project, I mean, he is still the director though i don't really know why he's not running anything yeah. anymore but i guess he wasn't deposed or anything
1: yeah i mean we, we had sort of a similar discussion in Starcross too and it's just like you know he's non mentos. well he's not even there
0: <laughs> <So>
1: <laughs> what's what's the sense you know who cares if they if they take him out of his position it's really a moot point at this point
0: yeah i mean i guess like it was always kind of like al or someone else was in charge in his absence anyway i kind of took it as al was in charge yeah maybe donna in some timeline not this timeline she doesn't exist apparently no (laughs) she and sammy joe not there not there the the project seems very small because it's just al and verbena and like (laughs) gushy gets a mention and tina one scene she might have been there with gushy and like you know they were hanging out being married or something, yeah. <laughs> and then Elle's depressed about it.
1: Look at them over there being married and everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you like him kind of being jealous, picking at a burrito or whatever he's doing? <laughs> yeah, there's stuff that that I liked bits and pieces in this book, but overall, it just made me mad, and I didn't enjoy reading this. Uh, I'm sorry for being overly negative here, but I just I couldn't I couldn't with this.
2: It's okay. I found it a tough read, but it didn't, it not in that it made me angry, just that it was just, yeah, a little depressing and heavy and, yeah, not one that I immediately want to go back to. All
1: right. I, I think that those are very fair final thoughts. It's a fair assessment of the book. And, you know, you don't have to like every single thing that comes out that has the word quantum leap on it. And um, if this doesn't speak to you or you find it just is completely contradictory to the show that you know and love. That's an equally valid interpretation in in my opinion. Um, again, I just was, surprised at how much I enjoyed it compared to my initial reaction when I read it decades ago. So, maybe for me that helped me get over some of the more negative aspects of the book, but...
0: Low expectations?
1: <laughs> I guess, I guess, but on the whole I would say of the novel run so far, I think that this is the strongest.
0: it's right. an interesting wrong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man it's fine if if it spoke to you that's fine um again i want to reiterate I, I don't have anything against ashley mcconnell i enjoyed the first book and i i enjoyed bits of the the second book as well i remember liking prelude even though prelude uh had some stuff i had some issues with but i don't really have an issue with her as an, as an author i just I, I really found this one to miss all right
1: well i think that that does it for our conversation about the wall and um guys let's move on to some happier topics you know instead of sam being beat up why don't we talk about the fact that we got some new patrons <gasps> yay yay we have three new patrons to announce wow. so everybody give it up for first jamie bradbury jamie joins us at the ten dollar oh boy level Woo,
2: jamie. yay thank you jamie
1: uh, we also have a new producer patron. His name is Ooh. Joshua Berwald. Joshua, thanks for coming through, buddy great Go to joshua. have you Yay. and last but not least we also have a new five dollar leaper patron mr. adam ridgewell so thank you adam once again Hey, thanks, Adam.
3: <laughs> so we got
1: uh, this last month i guess uh, people are excited about the reboot maybe they're finding us they're finding the podcast and we're getting members at every level it's great so um we also got a letter from joshua who is our new producer i'm sorry i'm sorry mr producer sir we're going to read your letter <laughs> now um uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> if that's okay.
1: <laughs> if you don't mind. Joshua um writes, Oh boy. Sorry, couldn't resist. Hiya friends, my name is Joshua, and I'm so happy to be back on the QL bandwagon. I think he means the QLP bandwagon, but I'm so happy to be back on the QL bandwagon. I have been listening to the show off and on for a few months, but when the announcement was made I finally talked my wife into watching the show with me because, quote, I'm going to make you watch the new show anyhow.
0: <laughs> she is, of course, loving the show. So imagine how excited I was when I saw y'all were revisiting the series and the novels just as I was doing the same. I enjoyed the show's early days, but the humor y'all current hosts bring to it is great. I function Aww. only because of access to snark and coffee.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Joshua. Snark and coffee is uh, my college man.
2: Congratulations for getting your wife to watch the show. I've been um, well. My my other half has has seen episodes here and there, but will not marathon the series with me. And I have said the same thing to her that you y- you will be watching the new series with me.
0: So like, okay. I love you. Wrote like the definitive book about Quantum Leap,
2: and your wife
0: is like, eh. <laughs>
2: it's, it's okay.
0: I'll pass on this one, buddy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> She's she had to spend like a year and a half constantly hearing the theme tune playing and I played the same episodes over and over again. She's trying to sleep. <laughs> I tried I, I, while I was making dinner earlier on, I I put the soundtrack on just to kind of um I don't know, just subtly just I don't know have some kind of uh, influence over her. And we got <laughs> onto track 2 and she was like, uh, "Is that Scott Bakula singing?" <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. And
3: if you stick around longer,
2: (laughs) Dean Stockwell busts some rhymes. Look away, look away. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be
0: nobody's gangster fool, Sharon.
2: (laughs) But yeah, Joshua succeeded where I have so far failed.
1: And Joshua, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, most every other show that I watch, my wife just like kind of sniffs and, and turns her head and walks away. Like, what, what is yeah. this garbage? But she actually genuinely enjoys Quantum Leap. So I'm lucky in that uh. regard. And she's looking forward <laughs> to the reboot as well. Uh, thank you for writing, Joshua. I'm sorry, Mr. Producer, sir. And um, as a perk for your producer patronage, you will, of course, be mentioned in the closing credits of the show as we go forward. Jamie, I will be contacting you for your Oh Boy interview sometime in the next 12 to 15 months because there's a lot of people waiting. And Adam, you will get all access to the exclusive content that we have on the Patreon site and I've already sent the bookmarks out to all three of these new patrons because they of course are part of the QLP book club now. So enjoy those <clears> bookmarks go up by the novels by the novels we're just getting started. So uh, thank you all for being patrons of our show. We couldn't do it without you. Guys, I got a blast from the past here. Um we got a letter from a long-time listener who we haven't heard from in quite a while but i've uh, been listening to the show longer than I have. That's for sure. It's uh, Father Beast
0: Father, Father Beast.
1: Father Beast. How you doing, Father Beast? Welcome back, Father Beast. I think the last time we heard from Father Beast, um, he won, I believe he won the Blu-rays.
0: Whoa.
1: Um, um, I guess he, he decided to chime in because we've gotten to the novels, and the title of the email that he sent was, My Problem with the Ashley McConnell books.
2: <laughs> <gasps> Get
0: some hot takes.
2: Uh, okay. We know where this is going, then. <laughs> uh, Matt, why don't you start? Sure. Hello, Quantum Leap Podcast. This is Father Beast. To explain the problem I have with the Quantum Leap novels by Ashley McConnell... Just go straight there. I love that. (laughs) To explain the problem I have with the Quantum Leap novels by Ashley McConnell, I have to bring up the Star Trek novels. In the Star Trek extended universe, it's sort of understood that only the television shows and movies are actually canon, and the novels are less so. So occasionally, a Star Trek novel will say something that has not been established in the show... And there will be something in the TV show later on which says that what the novel says is wrong. For example,
1: there was a Star Trek The Next Generation novel called Imzadi in which it stated that William T. Riker's middle name is Thelonious. Later on, the TV episode Second Chances said that Riker's middle name is Thomas. This is sort of a tradition where a novel takes a stab at something and the TV show says, no, it's actually this way
0: now when i read a quantum leap novel by ashley mcconnell it is full of things that were already established in the show and then she says (laughs) no it's actually this way for some reason i tend to think that the tv show has priority when establishing things that are canon in the show so i tend to think that one of her novels is just fan fiction which doesn't care about the canon of the show but that's just my feelings father beast (laughs) (laughs) laying down the smack (laughs) No, I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, we've talked about this sort of stuff before, and especially in Prelude, there's some some real departures, which it's you have to just say, like, well, actually, it's this way, because it's talking about before the pilot and then leading into the pilot of the show. So I get it. But I can enjoy fan fictions. Like, if, like the, really, the novels are just published fan fiction, um, because they're fans and they're writing fiction about the show. But I can enjoy it if it's well done, even if it's not exactly canon. Like, I don't really subscribe or ascribe or whatever you want, whatever the word is, to the the Mind Leap theory. But some of the novels, I do think, did it interestingly.
1: Yeah, and I I think that um, Ashley has her own take on the Quantum Leap universe, which is significantly different than a lot of the other novels. I think the other novels try yeah. to jive more closely mm-hmm. with the TV show. And yeah. I feel like because as the novels went on, you were getting access to more fanfic writers and more, you know, genuine, like, died in the wool Quantum Leap fans that wanted to do nothing but write a Quantum Leap novel to expand upon the TV universe, where I think Ashley mm-hmm. seems to be approaching it a little bit more independently. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know anything about Ashley McConnell? She was a fan of the show, right? Like, I mean, obviously she, she wrote the books, but did she was she hired on as a fan or was she no, hired No, no, on- Ginger,
1: Ginger approached her because she had written some fantasy stuff before and I think that Ginger knew that she was a fan of QL. So she said, why don't you pitch me some ideas so we can get the novel program off the ground? And okay. um, she pitched ones that Ginger liked. But I, I again, I feel like- And this could be apocryphal. I just feel like Ginger's saying that there were certain things that Ashley wrote that had not yet been established on the show. And that's why some of her stuff is different. But in hindsight, when we look at the timing of the release of the books and when she had to be writing them, and it it seems like maybe a lot of the stuff was established on the show, but she just went in a different direction. I don't know that it makes much difference. Because to me, the novels aren't canon anyway, so they can be as different as as they want to
2: be. I know, Matt, you have a different uh, take on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know my take is it, it's all canon, and if there's any inconsistencies, <laughs> it's up to the fans to jump through hoops to figure that out. And <laughs> I'll, I will gladly do that.
0: So Sam's middle name is Thelonious and Thomas, Thomas <gasps> is that what you're saying?
2: Definitely. <laughs> Sam Thelonious Thomas Beckett. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, and I, yeah, I, I, I never thought that Ashley was um, because I, I think in Father B's email, it's uh, sort of, and I don't know if this is the wrong take, but it seems to be that he's saying that Ashley has decided I'm going to go in a different way, and it sounds more to me, especially from what Chris just said, that maybe it's that she's she's not that much of a, a died in the Wall QL fan, and she just maybe didn't get that part of it, and went ahead with the the leaps in the way that she thought was genuinely canon.
0: She does, like, mention several episodes in this, so I think, like, she was at least enough of a fan that she oh, yeah. was t- trying to keep track of stuff. But especially back then, I mean, it, it's hard to keep track of every little bit of canon, so there's certain things where it's like, I get it, like, it, it doesn't have to be perfectly in sync with what the canon is i think really the the only time it felt like she's like no nah, i'm just gonna do it whatever way i want to do it is is the ending of prelude yes which, that's the one that really i'm like why though
2: that's, <laughs> So that's the the only thing that <laughs> yeah. when you're doing uh, doing a prequel that leads into something else you kind of got to make them link up at the end, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But yeah,
1: well, I think maybe maybe that's what Father Beast is thinking about here. Today. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, it probably is. I, I didn't think that Prelude needed to spend so much time on uh, Jar Jar Binks at Senate meetings and all that. I really feel like they lost track of what, <laughs> what the prequels really should be about. Well, yeah, let's save that discussion
1: for when we actually <laughs> are talking yeah. about Prelude. Yeah,
0: we'll get into the Jar Jar stuff later.
1: I don't even know what you mean, so I can't wait to read it now. I'm going I'm to be looking for Misa. I'm joking about the Star
0: Wars Misa, prequels. I got I no response. No one got my joke.
2: No, 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 no. I, I'm right there. I'm now imagining <laughs> Prelude starting with a Star Wars crawl, saying like, you know, it was a time of politics and trade disputes, and
0: I hate sand. It's so sandy out. <laughs> <laughs> I killed younglings. <laughs> I killed them all.
2: It had it oh i can't wait to talk about prelude <laughs> can we do that next weekend guys Sorry. oh my god i can't read
0: prelude in one week
2: <laughs> i can read it in a day i love it anyway uh, you reader you <laughs> it's
1: interesting to me that um father beast is bringing up something that's actually now happening in the star trek universe um they're lifting a lot of stuff from the novels and making it canon
0: yeah is it Thelonious now oh my god if, if they changed William <laughs> T. Riker's middle name then all of the stuff with Thomas Riker is he named Thelonious now like we can't leave this hanging <laughs>
2: Spock doesn't need a first name
1: well, they just announced that Spock has a full name now, and they lifted that from a book called Ishmael. I believe it's by Barbara Hamley. Yeah. It's a book I read 10,000 right. years ago. Don't ask me how I remember her name. There are certain things that I remember specifically about that book. Spock having a full name isn't one of them, but uh, that's that's a story for another day.
2: There's like one episode of the original series where they say he's, he's got another name, but every other reference to Vulcans, they've just got one name. This has never come up that Vulcans have got two names
1: right and that to me makes absolutely no sense because <laughs> there are only so many five letter s combinations that you can make so yes obviously there's got to be some other way
0: you think like to pow is like there's another to pow and it's like which one are you gonna be i'm to pow no, Oh yeah <laughs> y- you're gonna be to pow one maybe i want to be to pow one <laughs> you could be other to <laughs> <laughs>
1: True story, there was another Chris on my block when I was growing up, and in my house he was the other Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sure at his house he's like, oh yeah, that's the other Chris. <laughs> you guys see each other on the street, like, glare at each other? <laughs> There's other Chris <laughs> over there.
1: <laughs> we were actually friends, we played wiffle ball all the time. So. <laughs> wiffle ball?
2: That's not a thing. It is a thing, look it up. <laughs> oh my god. Gods, Americans are weird.
0: Hey, Matt, I bet you never met another Matt in your life. That's <laughs> such a rare name, Matt. <laughs> the other
2: Matt. <laughs> when I was at school, there were three Matts in my class.
0: When you're a Matt, you know at least like five other Matts, and you're yeah. like, I don't know which Matt is which Matt, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have to say your podcast, Matt, whenever I'm talking
2: about you, because like, I have to
0: establish which Matt I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> I don't know any other Allisons or Chris's. But then I don't speak to that many people, so.
1: I don't know as many Chris's as you might think I would know because Chris is a very <laughs> common name. But I, I don't, I know very few. Anyway, this is a weird conversation we've gone down. Thank you, Father Beast.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks, Father Beast. <laughs> Who will forever be known as Thelonious Beast? That's right, Thelonious Beast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta get Father Beast write us back. Which middle name did you like best? Were you, were you at the team Thelonious? <laughs>
1: I think they did that because of our Riker's jazz connection, right? Is that a jazz thing? Is that a- Thelonious yeah. Monk? Oh, okay. <laughs> Is
0: that a jazz musician? I
1: guess. Yes, that's a jazz okay. musician. <laughs> so I'm I'm on Team Thomas.
0: Hey, I see here. We have a five-star <gasps> Apple podcast review. People are reviewing us. I recognize this name, too.
2: Swishergirl24. Swish
0: yeah, I recognize Swishergirl24. She contacted me on Twitter. Real nice. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Then why
2: don't you read this? She sounds it. it.
0: Read this lovely review that we got. All right. She writes, funny and informative. I really adore this podcast. I find myself laughing out loud all the time at their gentle ribbing of the show. They have super interesting facts about production and great interviews with guest stars and writers and even Scott Bakula himself. This is a must for any QL fan. A must. Thanks, Swisher girl. A must. (laughs) Did you hear that? A must. A must. Even Scott Bakula himself.
2: We spend more time gently ribbing each other rather than the show, but I'll take that. I kind of rib the show. (laughs) Yeah. You think Scott is listening to this
0: And he's like they're wrong about this novel Let me tell you Yeah he's like this novel's great Let me
1: tell you about this novel guys
0: This is my favorite novel guys
1: (laughs) Well if you out there Want to be like Swisher Girl Or Father Beast Or our new producer Joshua They're amazing Anyways, that you can reach us here on the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at quantumleappod. You can now see us on YouTube at youtube.com slash the podcast. And you can always go that extra mile like Jamie and Joshua and Adam and some Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And this is usually where I say, speaking of upcoming episodes, (laughs) Matt, tell us what's next. But I kind of messed up. Kind of messed up. But I can't. I forgot to put the poll up until about an hour before we started recording of what we're going to do next. But Matt, I think, I think you can maybe start talking us up into Right Hand of God, because it's already a runaway winner.
0: <laughs> Is that
1: the next one anyway? Yeah, it's the next one anyway. So Matt, why don't you tell us what's next? <laughs> maybe, question mark, probably. <laughs> well,
2: m- maybe the Right Hand of God? <laughs> I hadn't prepared an intro to the right hand of God because I, I thought yeah, it could be anything. It yeah, could be anything. You knew
1: it was
0: going to be Thou Shalt Not, but not yet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, I, hope, I keep hoping. <laughs> thou Shalt
0: Not pick Thou Shalt Not. Watch, we go in order until we get to Thou Shalt Not, and then they don't pick it. <laughs> so,
2: nuns and topless ladies and getting punched a lot. It's been weeks since I've seen that episode. It'll be good to check that out again. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I just want to see if Alice is carrying a hand link.
0: Can I open up an ice cream shop? <laughs> I thought it was a donut shop. spot
2: on. <laughs> a
0: donut shop? It was probably a donut shop. <laughs> donut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, until we see if there's another hand link, I have been Christopher D. Philippus. I've been Alison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time.
3: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Morgan Felden, Charles Allen Gossard, and Joshua Burwald. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual, and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit Baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baronspace production.